The first comes from Romans chapter 10. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? From the Gospel of Luke. When he came near the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And from the prophet Isaiah, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thanks, sweetie. Um, I've been asked to share by the the elders of the church. Um, Peter Titus a minute ago said, was there an emergency? Wow, they're pretty desperate, huh? But believe it or not, a couple months ago, there was not an emergency. They planned this out and... uh, Here we go. So I'm not a minister, um, but I have served as a missionary with the Baptist Convention, and I've been studying the Bible for 30 years. That being said, I've never preached a sermon in my life. So who knows what's going to happen? Tony, when he preaches, he gives passage-based messages, and he picks apart each verse. I'm going to give a topic-based message. Uh, When I was asked... Uh, to, to share with you all, the first thing that came to my mind is this uh, subject, sharing Jesus. And the reason why it came to my mind is because I've been studying it uh, in the scriptures for the last three years. I specifically set out to, to engage in this question, so it was just natural for me to think of this. Um, also, of course, Billy Graham died this week. Uh, who could have been better at sharing Jesus than, than Billy Graham? So... Um, it's always good to remember him and, and his service to the Lord and to, to the rest of us. Uh, and then there's one other uh, uh, reason why that, that came to my mind as well, which we'll get to. So the title of this message is The Solution to Sharing Jesus. I hope that confuses you a little bit uh, and makes you think. And I have five points. Point number one, yes, five. <laughs> I'm not going with just three. I'm going with all five. And we're spanning the entire scriptures. So, um, number one, the problem of sharing Jesus. Number two, how do they share Jesus in the Old Testament? How do they share him in the New Testament? What methods of sharing Jesus can we put into practice? Uh, Much of this sermon is going to be about uh, solutions. And then finally, Jesus and me. So let's start with prayer. Lord, it is uh, an honor uh, to have you here with us. It's an honor to be near you every Sunday morning. It is an honor to listen to your voice. Help us listen to your voice uh, this morning and hear what it is that you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, fill us with hope overflowing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, 
The, the other thing that came to my mind when uh, uh, Tony and, and the elders asked me to share <clears throat> is that there is a specific problem with sharing Jesus today that we're specifically encountering at this point in time. Um, I'm on Facebook, as many of you are, are on Facebook, I know, because we will chat from time to time. And uh, when I'm on Facebook, I noticed that some of my friends were posting loud and clear, I am not an evangelical. And I thought, whoa. Okay. And then a couple of my other friends posted the same thing. I am not evangelical. And there's like several people who were saying this. And I was like, these people are ministers that were my friends. They were missionaries. So I was really confused and sort of brokenhearted. I thought, wait, are they not Christians anymore? Do they want to just like focus inward? What's going on? And then, of course, I'd see them post later something very much about Jesus and sharing Jesus in their life. I thought, wait, I'm getting confused here. Because the word evangelical means to share Jesus. Well, as usual, Tim Keller clears the air. So a couple months ago in the New Yorker magazine, Tim Keller wrote about this very specific uh, topic. And it was this. This is also reported on NPR. A recent survey of 16,000 self-described evangelicals uh, by Lifeway Research found that less than half of the people that called themselves evangelical accepted that the Bible was an authority. Half of them did not believe that uh, trusting in Jesus was salvation. Half of them didn't share a commitment to spreading the gospel message to those that didn't know Jesus. So what was going on there? Well, what's happened is that term, evangelical, which means to share Jesus, is now a political term. And you can read Tim Keller's article to know more about that. So, we face a very specific problem today. For me, what term do I call myself? When people ask me, I call myself a Jesus lover. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, right? I'm a Jesus lover, man. Um, and other people, I've, I've, I've found them calling themselves Christ followers, because the word Christian also sometimes has like strange context. So, another problem. Sharing Jesus is the only Christian discipline that is not accepted by the world. If you want to study the Bible, no problem. Do that in your house. You want to worship? You want to listen to gospel songs? No problem. You can do that in your shower. You want to pray? Go for it. Pray all you want. Acts of service? Please. Please come and serve us. Build our houses. Care for the poor. We really don't want to care for the poor ourselves, so you as a church, just go do that thing. Okay, that's great. We love that. All right? But when we speak about Jesus, all of a sudden there can be a problem. In fact, sometimes there's so much of a problem that in several countries in the world today, uh, it is illegal. It is against the law to share Jesus. In Arab countries, China, Russia, for many years, you would be put in prison. Another issue is that Christians often don't accept this discipline for those reasons. It's just hard sometimes. Uh, Peter denied Jesus. The disciples ran from him when things got bad. Those that opposed sharing Jesus uh, were mostly the leaders of the church. They were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But if you read the scriptures, you'll see the masses. What did they do? They were there. They fully embraced Jesus. They're like, please tell us more. We need hope. So isn't it interesting that oftentimes it's not so much the world. We like to talk about persecution and things, but in my own experience in life, um, 
I found that many people that don't know Christ, yeah, talk to them. Sure, they don't know. And they're interested and fascinated by uh, a relationship with Jesus. Um, I, I will have this problem. I sometimes oppose uh, wanting to share about my faith in Christ. It's a personal thing. And if I talk about Jesus with somebody else, then I'm also obligated to live to a higher standard. I know the next time I meet that person, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. So he's got to be perfect, right? You know, which, of course, we all know is the exact opposite uh, as Christians. But there is that, that assumption by people that, that uh, are, are wondering about what it is that we do here on a Sunday. Um, and also the Apostle Paul experienced this. He wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power of God that brings salvation for all who believe. Now, why did he write that? Well, he wrote it because many were ashamed. And at one point, I bet you anything, he himself was ashamed. And so it's something that we all need to encounter. It's something, as far as a Christian discipline goes, I would argue it's the hardest Christian discipline to execute. But it is a discipline, and we need to be disciplined about it. Sharing the gospel stands in direct opposition to our sinful nature, right? When we share Jesus, it's a humbling experience. When we talk about what God's doing in our life, it's often that God is working on the imperfect us. So it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic way to challenge yourself as a, as a Christian. Uh, sharing Jesus defines whether we walk with Christ or not, according to Jesus. Matthew seven sixteen says, you will know them by their fruit. And if you remember in the scriptures, if you've read it, Jesus walked up to a tree that didn't bear fruit, and he cursed it. Because so many people had worked that tree and built so hard and put in so much labor into that tree, and that tree, despite all that effort and resources, still didn't bear any fruit. So Jesus said, ah, you're cursed. You're not helping anybody. Oh, this whole family put in all this work for you, and they got nothing in return. Jesus said also, what comes out of a person's mouth is what is in their heart. Matthew 15, 18. So what do you talk about? Do you talk a lot about politics? Do you talk a lot about sports? Do you share about uh, People Magazine and who's marrying who? Uh, <laughs> what do you talk about? Or do you talk about the one that gave his life for you? Romans, uh, uh, oh, Sometimes, also as Christians, we can uh, use an excuse and we can say, hey, I just don't have the gift of sharing Jesus. I'm just not one of those people. I'll do all the other things, but I'm just not gifted in that way. But uh, Paul in Romans 10:14 says, uh, you know, how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them about Jesus? We're all called. Luke 19, 37 to 40 says, When Jesus came near the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The Bible says we're called to honor God. So much so that even the stones have that same calling. Do we want to be replaced by stones? I don't think so. Right? So, what does the Old Testament teach us about sharing Jesus? 
Well, Jesus wasn't born yet, right? So how is that even possible? Well, um, many passages state that Israel was called to, quote, proclaim his works among the nations. Praise the Lord among the nations. Over and over throughout the scriptures, for, uh, from the beginning of the Old Testament uh, or to the very end of the Old Testament, it's, it's throughout. One of my favorite passages is, I, is Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news, that's the gospel. It's the same word. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Are we doing that? Are we letting others know about the freedom that we have? The Lord's been good to many of you. Many of you do praise the Lord's name to the nations outside of these walls. Keep proclaiming God's goodness. One of the simple things I do is I just say, hey, praise God or thank God for these different things. It's a wonderful short way to just give God glory. In the Old Testament, Daniel shared Jesus with King Nebuchadnezzar and his own personal walk with the Lord. Joseph shared Jesus with Pharaoh and his fellow prisoners, the baker, the cupbearer. Moses shared Jesus with Pharaoh's court. Do our co-workers know we have a relationship with Jesus? Are we praying with them? Thanks to this message, the Lord has asked me to ask my team once a week for something I can pray for them about. Praying with coworkers is an awesome way to bring people into the throne room of the Lord. So how do they share Jesus in the New Testament? Well, in 100 AD, the early church shared Jesus like crazy. They couldn't stop sharing Jesus uh, about the one who died for their sins and that they were given a way to walk with God through Jesus. That was just blew their minds. The good news of Jesus spread like wildfire. They went from a few hundred to millions sharing the gospel in every culture and every language. One thing that fascinates me is that with the early church, for the first 500 years, they didn't celebrate Christmas. Christmas is cool. It's a great, great uh, thing to celebrate. You know, God coming to the earth. It's wonderful. But they instead were obsessed with Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and his resurrection. Can you imagine if you knew somebody and they died and came back from the dead? Right? You'd, you'd just be telling everybody. So it's like the cure for cancer. You'd, you'd tell everyone. Jesus was so real in their lives that even the threat of death could not stop those early Christians. They were so happy, they were so filled with joy that even the thought of death and being martyred, which we all know is historic, um, just couldn't stop them. Are we obsessed in that way? Are we constantly thinking about how God is going to change our society? Are you frustrated with racism? Are you frustrated with classism? Well, the answer is the hope of Jesus. Do you think the rich should care more for the poor? The answer is the conviction of Jesus that only Jesus can bring. Do you think the poor need more hope? Well, they need the hope of Jesus. What about corrupt corporations and governments? The answer isn't laws. You can create all the laws that you want, but if people don't execute them, what good are those laws? It's Jesus. Getting on our knees before God, that is the answer. Humbly seeking our creator is the answer. Honoring God as a nation together, right here, right now, is the answer. So what does, um, point number four, what methods 
can we put into practice? Well, the first one is just to simply bring people to, to Jesus. You might be too nervous to share about your relationship. You might be uh, an introvert. Although I work with a lot of introverts, and introverts are very powerful people. So I, don't, I wouldn't use that as an excuse. But you can invite people to church. Andrew, the disciple, brought many people to Jesus. And through prayer, as I mentioned a minute ago, you can bring people before the throne of God every day. But also just simply bringing them to church is a great way for people to get to know about who we worship. A recent survey stated that half of unchurched Americans say that if a friend invited them uh, or if a family member invited them to church, that they would visit a church. Half. Half of people would come if we just asked. So invite your friends to church. One of the great ways that uh, we uh, enjoy bringing people to church is through my daughter's friends. We say, hey, we ask their parent, uh, would you mind if uh, Sophia came with us to church this Sunday? And the parent is like, ha, Sunday off? Yeah, let's do that. Brunch time, right? And so that's another great way. I know we have many uh, young families here. And you kidding me? That is going to be a fantastic way to bring people to church. Um, another place where we can share Christ, of course, is in the park after church. Uh, do those people know that we're a church? Um, we can ask them to join us every Sunday. They're right here. They're not far away. We could easily double in size if we just simply ask our friends at church according to these facts. This community could be transformed. Another way that we can share Jesus is through politics. I know you're thinking, don't go there, Steve. Don't do it, man. <laughs> Just don't say that thing. But uh, believe it or not, it's shocking how often Jesus seizes on political conversations in the scriptures to, to, to give God the glory. And one of the most classic things that he said is, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. So it's another way to look at this. Repent, change. Yeah, change. We need to change. I need to change. That's the only way we're going to change society is change. Yes, we need to change. And if we do, God's kingdom is much closer than we think. It's closer than we realize. You see, when people are mad about racism or sexual harassment or whatever hot new topic it is, they're crying out, believe it or not, for Jesus. They're crying out for justice, right? And you can seize on that. You can say, yes, our society needs to change. Our society is broken. And we need to honor God as a society. You mind if I pray with you about this? You know, how many, when if I invite people to do that, a lot of people are like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do anything, man. I'll, I'll rub Buddha's belly, I'll just, like, whatever, man. Just uh, let's pray, sure. And that's a fantastic opportunity. Little side note, don't do that on Facebook. Okay, I've tried and I've kind of failed a little bit, so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, then again, maybe you can pray with somebody on Facebook. By all means. Actually, I do have a friend who posts uh, on a pretty regular basis, hey, if anybody needs prayer, just post right here, and I'll pray for whatever it is your need is. And he's, uh, he's a pretty cool guy, a good friend of ours. 
One thing that's been clear in Scripture that I notice is that sharing Jesus is not about debating people. That's a common sort of Christian tactic. And then I look to the Scriptures and I see what the Scriptures say and how Jesus went to the woman at the well, how Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. He's not debating. He's going about it in a very different way. Uh, I have not found like people debating evolution in the scriptures, obviously, <laughs> right? Wasn't even, didn't even exist, but it's just not really there. I don't see it. Jesus' command was, go forth and be my witnesses. Our job is to bring people to Jesus. People who don't know Jesus would prefer to talk about anything but Jesus. They will love that excuse, right? Because they don't even know what you're talking about. Billy Graham is a great example of this. Billy Graham, he didn't, he didn't get involved in debates. He just shared Jesus, and that's what he was known for. So, witnessing. Witnessing is what the Bible talks about. The Bible says over and over, be my witnesses. We were witnesses. The entire Bible itself is people personally giving witness to God working in their lives. And witnessing is simply just sharing who you are, your experience with the Lord. Nobody's going to argue with that. It's inarguable to argue personal experience. But it's something that we have that other people don't even know about. Did you read a devotional? Do you read devotionals in the morning? When God speaks to you, do you then also prepare to share that same word with others in the morning? When God speaks to you, write it down and then be ready to share it. Sharing Jesus is a discipline that we all need. <clears throat> I have a Google Calendar reoccurring reminder every Saturday that says, did I share my relationship with Jesus with someone this week? You can do it right now on your smartphone that is in your pocket. Create a reoccurring calendar reminder to remind yourself. <laughs> One of the other great ways of sharing Christ is uh, through what's called a testimony. And a testimony is something that is very specific. It's your story, your very specific story. It's not necessarily a devotional story. Um, and a testimony, that story, you should, you should write down, and you should be able and be ready to share it. Paul is known for this the most. He shared his testimony a lot. It was a pretty dramatic story of God flashing before him and blinding him. And he shared this story a lot. Um, but there are many other stories in the Bible they're not quite as dramatic. And so I ask you, hey, did God change your life? What's your testimony? Write it down. And then share that with others. You can email it, even. You can share it through letters. Have you written your testimony down? Do you have a copy of it ready to hand off to other people? Christmas cards, Easter cards are a great opportunity to do that. So finally, my last point is Jesus and me. So what's my testimony? What's my personal story? Well, a big part of my personal testimony is my wife. <laughs> my wife is awesome. Her family is awesome. My father-in-law was one of the first missionaries into China in the 1980s when it opened up to the West. They were so new to China that uh, people would pull their arm hair because very few Chinese have hair on their arms. They would pull her, their, their blonde hair because they thought it was a wig. 
That's how new they were in China in the 1980s. And my father-in-law uh, taught many students, and those students went to Tiananmen Square when the Tiananmen Square riots happened. And then he was also exiled from the country because his students were there. My mother-in-law is the best at firing a handgun in her city. She's an accountant. She is quiet. But man, she's got a heart of steel. She's literally tamed a wild stallion. I'm not kidding. <laughs> My wife is laughing because she knows it's true. She cracks down on criminals through her accounting. And there's a video of a six foot three insurance scam man who's slamming a lectern with his fists on public uh, government TV because my mother-in-law found this big insurance scam of his. She is one tough mob. My sister-in-law, my wife's sister, um, works in counterterrorism for Washington, D.C. And George Bush read her words on national television after 9-11 happened. She's tough. My wife is a valedictorian of her class. You all know she's a playwright. She has two national tours. She's won many awards. She's an amazing mother, an amazing cook. So why am I saying this? Am I simply scoring points? I thought Valentine's Day was a few weeks ago. I'm saying this because my wife knows my sin. She's seen me act in ways that don't honor our creator. She's heard me say words that should not have come out of my mouth. And in our family photos, her arm is around me. She did this through the power of Christ because Jesus is real in her life. When she got married to me, her family name, that family I just told you about, she made her family name second to my name. Her name is Chris Cragen Day. She sacrifices for me because Jesus sacrificed for her. Jesus, Jesus did something far greater than that for all of us. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says, Jesus, the creator of all things, made himself of no reputation and took himself, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became, he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. What does this have to do with sharing Jesus? Well, why don't we share Jesus? Because we're afraid of our reputation. Because we're afraid of what others might say. Am I ashamed of my wife? No way. How much more should I not be ashamed of Jesus? Jesus risked his reputation for you. He suffered embarrassment for you. He suffered pain, and he died to share himself with you. Can you speak up for him? So what can we do? Finally, 
are you passionate about America? Are you passionate about the state of the world, about your uh, uh, local community? Share Jesus. Are you frustrated with New York City? Share Jesus. Jesus died to share himself with you. Don't worry about embarrassment. Jesus' joy was greater than his death. And he died because he knew sharing himself was greater than death. Will you share yourself for him? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you died for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for giving a a far greater sacrifice than what my wife gave. For giving up heaven and all of glory for us. For giving up your reputation to wipe clean our sinful reputation. Forgive us for loving our reputation more than loving you. Forgive us for being ashamed of you. Holy Spirit, convict us. Move in us to believe you are the answer and the hope for what we need today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.